Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Backyard Tabletop. My name is Jacob. My name's Curtis. I'm here too. Greetings. We were trying to get into like an announcer voice, but we were started going like kid showy and uh, I don't know. We so we just decided to start right away. Just bring it back to baseline. Just bring it back to baseline. Yeah, exactly. Just go back to normal. Um, thank you all for joining us again on I believe doing quick math. I believe this is our 10th episode actually, Curtis. I have no idea. 10th or 11th, I believe. Uh, I'm 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 maybe wrong, but I believe this is our 10th or ep- 10th or 11th episode. So we've been we've been on a we've been on a good streak here. Yeah. That's pretty good. Continuing on, going forth. If we get to 100, I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah, that that's your goal. Get to 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's a good goal. We'll we'll start there and or or are you like, nope, that's it, buddy. You got me for no, for no. A when we get when we get there, we're done. That's <laughs> You got to know when to stop. No, I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. Oh man. Well, uh if you are just joining us, um the backyard tabletop, we typically talk about our weekly games that we have going on. Curtis is in one weekly game, and then I am in a different uh, weekly game that we like to just sit and chat about and talk about the stories that's going on, our characters, etc., etc. But typically, we like to start out with um, just one thing to just talk about D&D related, if it came up or not. But this week, I have a very interesting question uh, for Curtis, and and I have mm-hmm. some thoughts about it too. Um, how important are NPC backgrounds and backstories? How... <laughs> this is coming out of left field. How important are NPC backstories? Backstories. Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit before. How Pathfinder for if you are just joining us, the games that we do run on a weekly basis, or or we're we're playing in on a weekly basis, RDM uh, converts Pathfinder to Five E um, because Five E is a little bit uh, simpler for us to grasp. We also know it a lot better, um, so that's why we do that. Uh, but but Pathfinder, we've talked a little bit about like no matter who you really run into, it has usually quite a good backstory for the NPCs that are typically just the party just kills. They just kind of walk in and they just, uh, they kill the, the kill that creature and they move on. And in the book, it was like a page of a backstory. <laughs> it's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The reason why I'm bringing this up, actually, is because, um, so just to give you some prep, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm actually currently reading Rise of the Rune Lords, because since that one is done, uh, Dip said, okay, you can read it now. We can only read Pathfinder Adventures if Dip okays it. Uh, And I got to a particular really awesome NPC that you probably remember, Curtis. Um, Her her name is... um, Enigma Kekva. E N G A. Igna. Enga. Enga. E N G A? Yeah. Kekville. K E C K V I A. Kekva. Kekva. Curtis is better with words. Um, this was the kobold. This was the kobold that we ran into. Do you remember? 
She she was a a kobold barbarian. We all went into a series a dungeon. It was caves, and it was the guard of the cave. And she just attacked us right away. I don't I don't remember this at you, all. You don't remember this at all. She, she was so cool. Okay, well we'll get back to the question. <laughs> I because uh, I will, I will bring her up, but just we, just did, to, we, did we literally just fight her and kill her right yeah, away? Yeah, because she attacked us. Now, because it specifically yeah, so says in in the adventure, um, I probably that didn't even learn her name then. We didn't. No, we technically in game none of us did. We fought her. Yeah. we killed her. We moved on. But Dib did did explain her backstory after we uh, we did kill her. Um, she's she is, I don't care so this is a kobold this is a level tw- a tw- level 12 barbarian uh and i remember us fighting her and was just like she was she took like i don't know like w- at this point we were i think i think we were around level nine or something like that level 10 around there uh, and she wanted where, taking like 60 damage uh it was in the uh, the the mountains the this was when we went and fought the giant um mcmurrin Oh, 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 it was the, it was the, it was the entrance to the, okay, the entrance to like the underground back door. Correct. Yeah. Oh. Where I believe okay, okay, later okay, in this okay. dungeon, um, your character did actually get shrunk. Do you remember getting yes. shrunk? Yeah. <laughs> it like was a three trap. times. Yeah. It was a trap. Yeah, that three separate times. I got, I got, um, we, wa- every time you walked through a room, there was a chance it would shrink you. And it happened to me every single time we walked through it. It was, it was, it was amazing. I was, was rolling was, saves was, so bad. It was so good. <laughs> anyway. Um, there was a giant. His name was, um, Mock Murren. And basically, he's serving the big bad dude. There's, there's, I, I'm not going to go crazy into it. Um, but he's a giant and he found this thing and he's basically building an army to take on the world for reasons. Um, while he was uh, kind of getting his entrance, there was a road that he kept using that was a dried up riverbed. And this territory, there was a little kobold that this territory belonged to her and she demanded payment of the giant that was using her riverbed, dried up riverbed as um uh as a road and so he just ignores her because he's just like um no you're a kobold and because of that the kobold ran up and stabs him in the ankle because it's a kobold and this is a giant right so it's just like she runs up and it's like ah, and stabs him in the ankle and he's amused by it and intrigued and is like this is a brave kobold uh and so he offers her a place in his army and she likes the idea of getting paid um because she's kind of on her own and stuff but it's just this little backstory and it's just this little like it's like a take a couple paragraphs long it's so good and it's it's kind of cute but she is kind of um a hothead uh she's a barbarian and she rages and she she just she's not interested in making friends so when the pcs come into this place she she attacks them immediately uh, oh th- she actually has the fireball necklace that you got oh that's right yes yeah we literally fight her and we move on and it's not that it's it, it's you know in game it wasn't interesting uh, well it was it was just we ran in and we killed a guard and we kind of kept moving uh we were surprised that she took so much damage um but we just kept moving so 
that's where I kind of came up with this question. I read this little part and I was like, that's so interesting. But the players will just never know because it yeah. literally says she's not interested in making friends and that, she fights them immediately. That that to me is strictly um, strictly for the DM. That shouldn't even be like, characters shouldn't even care. And yeah. that, that little backstory is literally just to tell you why she's there. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And and it means it means nothing. It's just they they thought we need something to cover this cave. What's in caves? Kobolds. Why would there be kobolds here? Uh, maybe there's one there that did this. And okay, now that's why it's there, and that's why it's a little stronger. Done. You know. And then they went, okay, let's put all that in the book, just so the DM <laughs> understands and it, and doesn't go, why is there a random kobold here? Yeah. You know? with, with twelve levels of barbarian. Yeah. 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 I think I think that's definitely a thing. Like if you ever give if you ever give a, a a an enemy like levels in anything, it probably deserves a little bit of reasoning. You reasoning. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that that could be another reason. Mm-hmm. This is just such an interesting story, and and why I particularly love. I mean, that's what kind of makes Pathfinder modules interesting to read. Is kind of all these little backstories, right? Yeah. That, you know the kind of the difference I would kind of look at, and I was actually talking to Dip about this, is that like 5e modules are a little bit more worded and laid out kind of more like a guide. They kind of guide you through this path. Where Pathfinder is a little bit more of like, they they have a story in mind as they're kind of quote-unquote guiding you along this way. They, they're, that's, I think, the biggest difference is one's kind of a guide and one's kind of Telling you a story with the um, with with the side notes of all the extra things that goes in because there's here's all the enemies here's the morals this is the or, or the morale of the creature the tactics etc cetera, etc cetera, which I don't know if you have a, a comment on that but that's that's kind of the I'd say the biggest difference I would see I think what I would say is Pat, Pathfinder has Pathfinder has a story it wants to tell. And it's going to tell it with its adventures. Um, D&D with its adventures is more like, what if this thing happened? And then it lets the players tell the story. Mm. You know what I mean? Pathfinder definitely feels much more like, we want to tell this story, here's how it's going to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, And D&D is much more like, Here's a thing that's going down. Tell the story. It's kind of like the difference between a sandbox adventure versus a adventure path, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that D&D adventures very very much tend to feel um, like going, at least the ones I've played and ran. Uh, not all of them, but most of them tend to feel like um, moving from one thing to the next. Does that make sense? Uh, moving from one thing to the next, and they're all kind of loosely tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Pathfinder, to me so far, has tended to feel a lot more um, heavily tied in. Every single thing you do is very heavily tied together. Um, with, and I and I think the re, I I think the reason behind that is because they provide all of these 
underlying stories that are all weaving and crossing that you almost never see anyway, but it makes it feel much more um, tied together. Yeah, you, you know what else is also interesting is, you know, Pathfinder also seems to have a little bit more of a world to play in um, because they have a lot to draw on, right? They 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 have a whole world that they've created and have these cities and places that have histories. And D&D has that, but when there's more of them, um, like there, there's, there's Greyhawk and there's the Sword Coast and, and the, like the Forgotten Realms and, and. I was going to say Greyhawk's a totally different setting. Right. So they have these different settings. There's like Greyhawk, there's, um, the Forgotten Realms is a different setting and Eberron's a different setting and et cetera, right. et cetera. Where Pathfinder just kind of has one setting that they kind of yeah. tell all their stories in. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit less broad, I guess. It, they're a little bit more centralized. I mean, I mean, D&D has had and does have a narrative that has been playing since first edition. You know, things did happen in history that you played in previous editions as whatever. Um, and they even have in-universe reasons why spellcasting doesn't work the same as it did in second edition, you know? Oh, that I didn't know. That's cool. There's, there's stuff like, um, like the spell plague and things like that, that all, that, that all talk about like why you spells only get to ninth level anymore. Why, why this God is over here now instead of over here. Um, why the God of death is now three different gods and like all these different things. There's, there's a narrative that has played and is accessible if you go back to it, but they don't pull from those things very often, I think is the thing. Yeah. They don't, they, they, they don't, they don't reference that stuff. Mm -hmm. They just say, um, yeah, here's, here's, uh, this acolyte of, I don't know. Uh, this god, this death god, Baal, Baal or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they mentioned Baal is one of the three uh, that, that killed the old god of death, and now they all three took their thing. And it's like, oh, whoa, wait, that's cool. Why don't, why, <laughs> why don't they ever talk about that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know? yeah. which um, actually I didn't know a lot about until recently starting to play Baldur's Gate 3. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. there is more. So... Maybe it's just my naivete in the world of Dungeons and Dragons that need, but it's, well, it's, but, but the reason you have that is because they don't reference it very much. The stories yeah. feel pretty self-contained. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they pull from each other very much. And, and it's honestly, you're pretty hard pressed to even find when in the timeline that this adventure is supposed to take place. They don't do right. that. They don't tell right. you that because they want you to be able to play it whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want. Pathfinder is not like that. They want you to play on their terms, but they mm-hmm. want you to play. So like every time you play Rise of the Rune Lords, it's the same, it starts in the same year. Yeah, same, so if you same play year. it twice in a yeah. row, you can't play the same characters over and over mm-hmm. because it's the same adventure happening just in a different way in an alternate timeline yeah well and it's it's interesting to think about and i know we got on a little side side note there so 
that that's you know that's the biggest thing that I see with Pathfinder and, and uh, with Five E. But but for you, when you go to sit down, uh, like I don't know, you you started you know homebrewing your world. Do you? think of like backstories when you think of npcs i know there's there's elements to when the the players are just kind of like walking along the dock and they start talking to an npc and you have to pull one out of your butt in order to do that moment but like when they run into an npc that then you plan how how important do you think it is to go into a a background or when you set up npcs to be in a dungeon do you really think about um their backstories and how important is that? Not, not maybe not even if you do it. Do you think it's important? Enemies almost never. Hmm. Interesting. Un, 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 unless they are tied in heavily to the story, um, like if it's the big bad guy, obviously, yeah. or if it's one of his underlings, obviously. But if you're just going through a cave to get to him, and you get attacked by kobolds, they probably don't have a story. Yeah. In my mind, other mm-hmm. than. Uh, you know, if, if, and, and, and that's the thing for me, like I, I, I really do actually like leaving some space for, um, coming up with stuff on the fly. Cause if, cause the reason I wouldn't do that is like, if you guys go through the kobold place and decide, actually, we're going to try and settle this peacefully. Then now my brain goes, okay. Um, if it works in the first place, now you have to go talk to this guy. And then from there on, everything is completely made up mm-hmm. right then, you know, yeah. and I kind of like it that way. <laughs> I like, I like, because when I, when I run stuff, my main goal isn't to know every single person and how they're connected to every single thing. Mm-hmm. My main goal is to understand the macro, mm-hmm. understand that this is how the world works these are the things that are happening in the story. These are the ways things are moving. That way, if I go, you guys find kobolds and you and you guys are like, we're going to make friends. And I'm like, okay, now, now I get to make up that there's this kobold colony down here. Why are they here? Um, uh, you know, and all I need to know is it's between this place and this place. Uh, all the all the details will just kind of fall into place, you mm-hmm. know, if it makes sense. Um, and I I don't really I don't really find I don't really find a need to pre do those things. Yeah, no, um, and I, I think that makes complete sense. And and I know for me, I, I think you know when I sit down to write you know an adventure, if I'm doing a campaign or or doing homebrew stuff, for me. Those stories of the NPCs is is part of my prep for the campaign that or this mm-hmm. excuse me for the session that I'm going to be running. You know, if if I were to sit down and be reading this module um, to eventually run, it's it's kind of just fluff at that point, right? Yeah, the backstory of the fluff. But when I go to run that session, or for example, with using this cobalt as an example, when I go to run that session, that's a great thing to know because then it it just gives me a little bit about like you said, why that NPC is here. Um, and, and, and exactly. I think at, at, for homebrew stuff, I do not think that you need to sit down and, you know, have this list of backstories for a bunch of NPCs. What I think you do need to do is, is maybe have a sentence or two about them 
And then during the session, you could, you know, improv it and go with it. It's like this ship captain is, you know, he was an urchin and he grew up on the docks, right? So that's that's a little bit of his backstory. And then you could add more if if the players go go for it, you know, start talking to him. What I tend to do um, for people I just make up, um, I haven't just made up a lot of guys because I mostly run pre-written stuff. Let's talk about, let's say, um, let's say Azure. Okay. The, 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 he was a magic salesman, magic item salesman who was a traveling magic item salesman was a little bit eccentric. Right. Um, I, there's, there's no backstory there. I, I have him written out as a, as a character. He has a character sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, but he only has like, he only has like, um, ideals and personality traits. That's it. No history, no background, no backstory, no none of that. Um, and I think all of that kind of comes out naturally when I would play him. Because I would think, um, okay, um, he acts this way, he talks this way, these are the things he thinks, this is what he believes, that kind of stuff. And then when one of you guys asks him, oh, well, where are you from? I go, in my head, a little wheel goes, um, uh, okay, he's like this. He talks this way. These are the, his ideals. Um, this is what he is class-wise. This is what he does for a living. And I go, okay, he's probably from like, um, uh, well, and now I'm blinking on names. Um but like probably still from the sword coast, probably something like water deep, you know, cause he's a fancy guy. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of magic and stuff in water deep. He probably learned how to do his, you know, uh, uh, uh making magic items there, all that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I just go, Oh, I'm from water deep actually. And then when something like that happens, I write it down to make sure mm. I remember that he's from there you go. in the future. Um, so most, I like to leave most of that stuff to kind of come up organically because as long as I know the baseline Mm -hmm. of who they are, what they think, how they act, what they sound like, um, everything else I can extrapolate from that. Right. That makes sense. Right. No, that makes complete sense. And I almost feel like it's, it's probably like this. I think if you were to, you know, you just had this NPC in mind and you are, writing an adventure to have someone else run this adventure, it makes sense for you to be like, okay, I need to come up with reasons who he is. So when I do hand this to someone, like if, if you were going to give, you know, Azure off to me to run, I, I would probably need to know that. But if it, but if you also, it, it just helps me be able to get into his mindset in order to role play for the characters. Um, but for it's for it's yourself. If he was an important NPC that had a reason to be involved in the story, the overarching story of the campaign, obviously I would write those things in. Why mm-hmm. is he involved? Who is he connected with? All of that kind of stuff. Obviously I would. But if he's just a random shop salesman, he doesn't need a three-page backstory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe a sentence or two. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Like, like with Barthen... Barthen's goods in Fandolin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he he has nothing in the book. It's just this place is run <laughs> by a man named Barthen. He's a kind, yep. uh, portly man. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Um, but I like to run those things, so I start portraying him, and you guys find him interesting, and so you ask him questions, and now I have to go, what does Barthen know? Why does he know these things, right? And so from there, it's like, okay, 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 he's got kids, he's got this, he's got mm-hmm. this family, he, he yeah. makes orders from this place, you know. And I think it's, it's, I mean, ultimately, it's all preference, if you're thinking yeah. about it, you know, because I know some, some Dungeon Masters, like, it's like, if if it's just Barthen's goods and and he's not really anything important to the the overall story, it's like, hey, you you make it up and you could probably run, you know, Lost Minds of Fendelver with Barthen maybe being a red brand. That would be interesting. Or you could right. maybe run it to where his son was killed by the red brands, right? Sure. That that yeah. would be something very interesting if you wanted to incorporate him even more and the book leaves it up for uh your interpretation if you want to do that right and and it's and that's kind of fun but also at the same time if they were to write a backstory about barthen and you would be able to get into that a little bit more and they incorporate it into the story a little more that's interesting too so it's kind of like i don't know it's up to you i i do think there's an element of like oh my goodness this is just more reading you have to do and if it's not important to the story then you can move on but it does slow those new dungeon masters down of like oh god i can't remember what the book said about barthen and now i need to know yes. who he is like yes. this, et cetera, I, it et does et it does definitely depend on your dming style if you're someone who likes to do things off the cuff and have a little bit left to chance for you to just make up on the fly um which i kind of do um yeah then it's probably not necessary to know anything other than how they act, um, what they do now, um, how they sound, and the things they care about. That's pretty much it. Um, and and but if you're but if you're somebody who is like, well, I need to know their, I I need to know why they're doing what they're doing and why they are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. If you have to know why, then come up with a small story and yeah. and if and if you're someone you know this is something i have actually been trying to get in the headspace of too as i'm building out my world and getting more involved with like the actual cities and towns and stuff i am trying to come up with more like interpersonal relationships with people who do they know why do they know them how are they involved with them that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Um, because that can be really important too, because if you walk into town and everybody just seems to know each other and it's like a, a 20,000 people city, then that doesn't make much sense. Right. Right. <laughs> if someone's like, Oh yeah, I know this great place for you to go. And it's all the way across town and they should have no reason to know that mm-hmm. you either come up with a reason for them to know that, or they don't know about it. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's also less, you know, because if you come up with that on a dungeon master and you do what you did and you you write it down, it's easier to incorporate yeah. it into the story rather than sitting here and be like, oh, shoot, did I just mess up something? Uh, I can't remember what, what it was. And then you say something and you potentially mess it up yes. later down the way. And, and, you know? and, well, that is the good thing about, you know, running your own game in your own world is you get to decide 
Um, I had no intention of them knowing each other, but now I think they do. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to write something really quick about why yeah. they know each other. Yep. Um, it's great. Uh, yeah. And, and that's <laughs> usually where I fall in. I, I, you know, I do have a hard time uh, running modules for that reason, because I, I, and the games that I have run, I just rely so much on my PCs to help direct the story. And I go where they want to go. Like the, the one module I have run was Humblewood. Uh, and I completely changed uh, from chapter three onward. I think we ran half of half of half of chapter three normal, and the last two chapters I didn't even really go into. It, I changed it completely because I, I, that's just what I know, right? I just know that yeah. better, and and I can rely on myself to you know potentially help make it make sense if that makes sense yeah. i know where they ultimately the players are going and who the bad guy is you know and and i can just kind of go with it from there because sometimes it's just more interesting that way i like modules don't get me wrong and i love playing them and and you know for people like you and dip that are really good at running modules dude i love it i just don't know if i necessarily trust myself because i just i just get sometimes really excited and and think of like ooh this could be just this one player has this particular thing about them. I want to lean into that and just to spice up the adventure a little bit. That's just what I tend to well, trust myself with. And it, and it can be very hard if you're one of those people who's like, um, you know, I just want to play. <laughs> I don't, I don't, every, <laughs> every time the players ask a question, I don't want to be worried about answering it because, um, that person shouldn't know that or anything mm-hmm. like that. I just want to play. And if they ask that question, I'll think about how to answer it. And then we'll move on from there. And the story mm-hmm. will move forward yeah. instead of, you know, having to worry about flipping to a page to make sure that person actually knows that or not, you know? Yeah. And I know that's something I, I personally want to work on. Um, I know I've actually, you know, I've, I've been talking to Sarah about potentially just doing one-on-one games with her because that's something I tend to struggle with is running modules. Uh, and that's something I, I personally would love to get better. And I was just like, if it's just me and Sarah, then it's just like, if I mess something up, then we can very easily fix it. You know, if, if you want to get better at like running modules and stuff, get some of those like Cobalt Press Roll20 one shots. Yeah. And just, just run them for like, like you said, one or three people, like somewhere around there and just, just get into it because they have such, such small defined stories that it's pretty easy to pick it all up and then run it. You know, you don't necessarily have to, um, read the book for six weeks before you can actually start playing (laughs) the game. Exactly. It's great. It's great. (laughs) Well, speaking of playing, Curtis just wants to get to playing. Uh, thank you so much for going down that uh, little question of the week I had f- for you. Um, it was very interesting. Very interesting stuff. Uh, if you Jake. have a preference, uh, please let us know down in the comments. We'd love to hear what y- what you guys have to yeah. say. Yeah, give us some questions to ask because that would be a lot of fun. Also, hey, yeah. Jake, Jake. Yes. Answering questions is my life. Okay. <laughs> is it really? Want, yeah. M- yeah. Mr. Research Brain. <laughs> I love answering questions. 
Just well, ask, ask me. Anything. I love asking <laughs> questions. <laughs> I don't have any opinions. I just have questions, and that's why we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, um, last we left off, yes. Uh, just to to recap, when we were we we're going to continue going down um, Curtis's um, story because we are a little bit further behind as far as sessions goes versus my session. So we're going to continue. Uh, pushing into Curtis's story, uh, when last we left off, they had um, all got together as a party because a dead lady got them all together, yes. uh, which was quite a little plot twist. Very cool. Mm. Even just we thought that would just that would be an awesome like first session, first like even a one shot would just awesome be really one-shot. cool. It would be a really good one shot. That whole first section would be a great one shot. And we we you guys found also the queen's brooch. Yes. Cool. The Queen's brooch in this really jerk guy that you all killed, uh, little hideout. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we were actually getting to the. I think I remember a riot happening. Yes. So uh, uh, last time we left off, uh, I explained that um, we got the brooch and we had all decided that we were going to go see the Queen. But when we. The city's kind of in ramshackles because we when we left this guy's place the city was suddenly in chaos because it had been announced that the king had died Mm -hmm. of age natural causes sickness something i don't remember exactly but he has died supposedly naturally and um the queen has taken his place as sole ruler of the city and Not a lot of people like that. The majority of the city loved the king before, even though he was kind of a weirdo. He ruled well. He was kind of a weird guy, but he ruled well. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of kings in history that were pretty weird, but... No, nobody (laughs) likes the queen because, one, she's a foreigner. She's not from Corvosa. And, Mm -hmm. uh, two, she... There are a lot of rumors that go around about her kind of hating the city and not really liking this place, but more into the marriage strictly for the power and the money, um, which... And she was also like a fraction of the king's age, correct? Oh, she's... Yeah, she's like a quarter of the king's age. Um, Not like a child by any means, but the king was really old and she's like in her like late 20s or something like that. Yeah. Um, But... uh, so, uh, and I, I should reiterate, those are all rumors, technically. Nobody ne- necessarily knows for sure whether the queen actually, like, hates the city or whether mm-hmm. she did it just for power or anything like that. But, um, so that's what state the city is in when we leave Gadrian's place. Then we all met up the day after, um, two days after, to talk about what our... Uh, next play as a group was going to be we decided to stay together as a group yay which is something that's what i really liked about this is that you guys got to choose to stay together you Mm -hmm. know i i like that when adventures kind of leave leave it up to the players that you're not just all getting together and it's kind of like this is the game that we are playing guys so stay together the game is like that takes a step back is like Hey, if you, at, at this point, the players could potentially all well, leave, and, you could rejoin. But well, it's like, 
you guys get to choose. And I've said I've said this before. I know I have on this podcast because it's a big thing of mine. Make a character who has a reason to be in a party. Yeah, yeah. Do not make a character who has no reason to play nice with others. Even if they're only playing nice, even if they're only playing nice with the other players for their own personal benefit, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But make a character who wants to be in a group. Yeah. You should never make a character in D&D who doesn't like people or just doesn't like being in a group. Like they ha- they should have a reason to be to be there and to stay. Yeah. Even if it yeah. even if it's unwillingly, that's fine too. If if someone else that's higher than them has m- forced them to be in the group, that's really cool. That could be a really fun dynamic, but they have a mm-hmm. reason to be in the group. Right. Because there's, there's many different creative ways you could play that, for sure. I like that idea of, like, a higher up is, like, kind of forcing you to be yeah. here. Because that could be really fun role play. I mean, that, the, that the, was Bo. That was Bo in, in Campaign 2 for Critical Role. Bo was forced to stay in the group. Exactly. I think it's, it's fun to play with those characters because bottom yeah. line is, like, this is a group game. Please, you know, please, please make it easier yeah. on the players I, and make it easier on the DM. But you can still role play those those people that conflict with each other and yes. don't necessarily like people, right? Absolutely. But they but they need to be here because of X reason. I I have played with a few characters who, when we had that choice to all go home. And whether or not we were all going to go meet again would not have gone to go meet again. Oh no! And they just would, the character just would have been like, "I have no reason to. I'm going to leave." Yeah. Like, okay. So, are you going to make a new character, or do you want us to come force you to be like? What are you expecting yeah. to happen right now? Exactly. Like, so, anyway, little yeah. tangent. We all we all decide to. Stay I like in your the group. tangents, Curtis. <laughs> we all decide to stay in the group. Um, and we decide our next play. I think I talked about this last time. We, our next play is to take the brooch to the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So we we make our way there to the palace. Uh, it's under heavy, heavy guard because the city's in shambles. Um, and uh, we basically say um, we took out this crime boss and he had something that belongs to the queens. And the guards are like, all right, give us a second. And uh, <laughs> in typical guard fashion, eyebrow personal, raise. The queen's personal handmaiden comes in, and she's like crazy. She's like she's got to be like a barbarian or something. She's got like a huge sword. She's not impressed by <laughs> us at all. She's like, yeah, you guys can keep your weapons, whatever. I, it's not like I care. I could kill all you in a second, right? Um, so oh, that's uh, that's a fun power move. I like it. Yeah. So, um, uh, she takes us to go have a quick audience with the queen, um, who at the time seemed very nice, very kind, very grateful, grieving for her husband. She was wearing mourning, uh, colors, Mm -hmm. grieving for her husband, all of this kind of stuff seemed, seemed to be, I think even a couple of us did insight checks and, and she seemed from what we could tell. Don't remember if any of them actually succeeded or not, but from what we could tell, she seemed um, genuinely worried about the state of the city and everything that was going on. Okay. So we hand 
back this brooch and she's like, you know, I could use people who are interested in the health of the city for the city's sake on my side. And we're like, great, that's us. Let's do it. Um, and so she gives us um, some gold bars straight out of the treasury, like gold bars that are stamped with the city stamp as our reward. Nice. Um, and, and then also you guys are like level two, level three yes. at this point. So that's, yes, that's kind of cool two. that, that the adventure you're, you're working for like the, the queen of the city. That's kind of, that's kind of right. interesting. So she sends us to, um, to the city's guard, uh, uh, like leader of the guard. Let's see what her name is. Uh, Cressida Croft. I'll probably be using, uh, throwing up some art as we uh, mention stuff like this. So if you are on podcast form, apologies. Uh, but if you're on YouTube, I'm probably going to be using some some of the art. Just a little note. Yeah. So Cressida Croft is the field marshal of the Corvosan Guard. Um, she is a beautiful woman with dark short hair, but seems um, tired out of her freaking mind. Um, probably because the city is insane right now. Um, yeah. uh, the guard barracks were like chaos. Everyone's running around and trying to find out where they're supposed to be and um, talk, uh, getting reports of all of these riots breaking out. Okay, so that was going to be... So that, that so the, the king dies and basically the city's kind of really the city's rioting. The city's yeah. rioting because they don't think the queen should take his place. Gotcha. But there's no other heir. He never had an heir, so... Um, it is what it is. And then, uh, it is what it uh is. I believe she straight up told us that she hasn't slept since the king died and that every morning when she comes in, she just has priests cast restoration on her. Oh my so gosh. So that she can deal with the exhaustion. I think she literally told us that. That's, that's really kind of a fun way to get around. Really Ex- interesting. Wow. Um, so she's still like dead tired. That's an interesting idea of a high level cleric just being yeah. like, I don't need to sleep anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's very costly, but. Um, oh, wait, uh, is she using greater or just lesser? Because I believe I no lesser idea. takes away exhaustion. No, I don't think lesser does exhaustion. I think lesser's just status effects. Oh, it's just poison. I, I, and stuff. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll I continue. Because I'm just know. curious. Um, uh, so she basically says, um, great, the queen wants you to do something for me. That's awesome. There's this one job I have for you guys um, that I don't really think I should send any guards on because it's a deserter. Um, so there's this guy who was a guard captain who deserted, um, and his name is Varric Van Kerskirken. That's a great name. Does Van Kerskirken sound familiar to you, Jacob? I feel like it should. Oric Van Kerskirken. You remember an Oric from our last campaign? Was that in the early days? Was in the early days when we were fighting Nualia's group. Nualia was the evil cleric. He was the dude who had the huge shield with the face on it oh 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 oh, right right the guy that we convinced to turn his life around and leave her party and go do something else he's this guy's brother 
so they are connected okay okay oh um, right is this is is this like supposed to be the like one family member is so, in like so this van kerskirken family there is one family member in i think it's like a running gag that there is a van kerskirken in every single adventure path okay um, okay that they've made that's um, cool that's really that's really kind of fun uh that's yeah. great <laughs> so, uh, so Varric Vankerskirken, uh, is a deserter, um, who, uh, basically, um, stated that the reason he left was that the queen will ruin the city. Um, and, uh, basically left with that. And because he was a well-liked captain, the reason she had us go, if it was just him, she wouldn't have cared. But a bunch of people recognized that he left and were like well if he's leaving we're leaving too and so mm. it caused like this whole regiment of guards to desert okay. um so she wanted us to go uh go get him uh, and bring him back to prove that deserters will be punished um they will be brought in they will not just be left to do whatever they want as they um, should hmm. right so uh, <laughs> so we find out Depending, from her uh, that he has set up shop in a butcher shop um, called All the World's Meat. Great name for a butcher shop. <laughs> um, and uh, our job is to go find him and convince him, hopefully convince him peacefully to come back. She said he may have some other converts under him, so watch out for that. But try not to kill anybody if you can, if they're like guardsmen or whatever. But she was like, I understand stuff happens. Do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like, okay. Um, so from there, we uh, leave and we start towards him on our... So this is a little story side note that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Yes. On our way to him, we are stopped in one of these side streets that we're taking. We're taking a lot of side streets because a lot of the main streets have riots and uh, stuff going on. One of the side streets we're passing on, we pass by this um, this doomsayer, this prophet who's up mm-hmm. on his box yelling to a bunch of fanatics around him that it's the end of days for the city the city's going to burn. It's going to collapse. Everything's going wrong. Okay. As we walk past him, he catches us. He he glances at us, and his eyes go really wide as he's looking at Squish, our resident bard. Okay. Who's and a gnome. He goes, and he's like, you, you, and he starts rushing towards Squish like, it's you. You're the reason. You're, you're the, you're the, like... <laughs> You being in this city is what's going to cause it to go down. He basically is saying, like, Squish is the catalyst for the city um, uh, being destroyed, essentially. And he's not even talking about the queen at all. He's just saying it's the end of days. Yeah, interesting. For the city. Okay. Um, and so he says Squish is the reason for it all. And so we all start kind of, like, pulling Squish back and, like, trying to get in his way and be like, listen, dude, back off. We're not here for this. We're just trying to pass through. And he's like, no, no, no. And he goes up and starts trying to like grab Squish and like shake him. And he's getting like mad and like frothing at the mouth. Um, And I just took a level in wizard. So what my character, so I've got some spells, 
what I decided to do was I need to knock this guy out before <laughs> anything bad happens, but I don't want anybody to know. Okay. So I cast Catapult. Yes. On a that's rock, a great spell. On a rock from behind the guy. And as I cast it, I turn and go, come on, Squish, let's just go. And I turn <laughs> and start walking as a rock goes clunk into the back of this, this guy's head and he's dead instantly. Like, <laughs> Did you get to roll damage? or like just as dip, a just doorknob, like... dead. No, I rolled damage and he was okay. dead outright. Wasn't even a chance of him surviving. Oh my or, gosh. No, 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 no. He like died, but then our uh, our cleric um, rushed up and tried to do... Um, like Spare the Dying uh, or something? Spare or the Dying. Cure... Uh, okay. We're not sure if it worked. Um, but oh, she ran okay. up and tried to do Spare the Dying and then we left. Okay. And then all those like fanatical people there are like, it's true, they're going to ruin the city and start like running <laughs> off. Um, oh my gosh. And I'm like, what the fruitcake? <laughs> I was hoping for a rock to just come flying out of nowhere, hit the dude on the head, he gets knocked out, and we run. Right, right, right. Like, like because because if the city's rioting, a rock coming out of nowhere, hitting a hitting a doomsayer in the back of the head, totally normal thing to happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that's not a stretch. Yeah. But all the fanatical people there were like, "Oh, it must have been them. They caused it." You know, because he's already been okay saying naysaying us and and they're kind of the people that are around him are kind of like um so now now the party now the party's like you just killed an innocent dude (laughs) what were you doing and so now i've like i've only talked about it with a couple people but my character to the first person was like what are you talking about how do you know he wasn't armed have you how long have you been in this city Everyone's okay. armed. Like on the back streets, if a dude like that runs up to you, you either run away or you kill him. Yeah. And I start okay. saying like that kind of stuff to them. Okay. And then and then I go to Squish and I go down to him and I'm like, hey, bud, you know, I just want you to know that I was just trying to protect you, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's, I, I've seen people like that just shank somebody on the street for their change. And I was just trying to make sure you were okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to like play both sides and like manipulate okay. everyone to be like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't um, get mad at me. I, <laughs> and, and Squish was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate you trying to help. Okay. Anyway, so that was a big thing because that was that, like, that's, yeah. So, and my sister now, is now, like, can, super can I ask mad this? Your yeah. sister's, okay. Can I ask this real quick? Uh, you don't have to answer if you don't want to because we have people that, are in the games that listen do do you think he's okay with it or because now he's just taking some spells so do you think he actually maybe a little bit liked this power and now he's able to kind of take out maybe a little bit of anger or do was he really just trying to help it it was a little bit of a mix of oh i didn't know that would hit that hard and also like and also like but I'm okay that it did because really that dude's, that dude's just scum. Um, if he had rushed me, if he had rushed me any other day, I, I would have stabbed him. Like, yeah, I feel like that was almost a quote unquote normal person's way of attacking. He wasn't a trained guard, so he's not going to like drop into this well, 
fighting stance. Yeah. He's so, just he and that's like that seems really crazy. Like that's a crazy guy. That's something I've ran over in my head. If 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 I was my character on the street any other day by himself, and a guy like that pointed at me and started rushing at me, trying to grab me, I would have pulled my rapier and stabbed him. Yeah, that, that's exactly that's, what I would have done. Hmm. As the as a character, you know that my, like Cal would have definitely just been like, nope, tried to stab him and book it. Like I'm out. Yeah, um, especially with writing and stuff going on too, right? Like you have no idea what this person's going to do. My character has seen the, the the darkest part of this city. He's seen it. He's lived in it, and he's barely gotten out of it. So he's very ready for those moments of it's me or them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's all. Um, but it was the first moment in our group of, of being like, what just happened? Like, what just happened? Why did, yeah. Why did you do that? What's going on? Like, interesting. Um, so I had to like, th- this was also kind of Cal's probably like first little taste of like, yes. kind of like you said, where you mentioned it in a sense of like, Oh, I did not expect that to hit that hard. Yes. Oh, I must be kind of good at this. Like, yes. Oh, okay. Exactly. He's mm. very happy that, that he's got that power now that he has the ability to, um, in his mind right now, protect the people he cares about. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, we all it know was, how um, slippery of a slope that is. Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> well, interesting. So, uh, after that, we get to this place called All the World's Meat. We decide that what we're going to try and do is go in because we heard a rumor that um, the people running the place will actually take some money and help you out if you've got people that are um, messing with you. They'll run them out of town, right? Okay. So, we go up front. We say, there's these people messing with us. Here's some jewelry that we've got that's worth quite a bit of money. Um, Be here at this time. That's where they'll be, and we need you to run them out of town. Oh, interesting. So you kind of you you basically hired some people. Yes, some and then we all sorts. we all met back up after that, and we're like, they won't be there till tomorrow, and we kind of want to get this done now. Should we just go in the back? And we were like, yeah, let's just go in the back. <laughs> so after we did that, we just snuck around the back and then made our way through the whole place. Um, <laughs> but uh, what we did was we actually made a very conscious effort to do um, uh, non lethal attacks okay Um, we tried to not kill anybody and we actually didn't kill anybody um half of the underlings just ran okay uh and the other half we knocked out um and then once that happened uh varic comes down from upstairs and is like yo what the heck what's going on why are you running my dudes out of town they're great they're nice guys what's going yeah, on yeah yeah we find out that at at this point what they've been doing is using this place as a um uh basically a food pantry they've been giving away meat for free to like families in need oh okay a little bit of nonprofit going on. So we so we know that that's what they're doing, and then the way they're making their money in order to be able to do that is running bad people out of town. That's what we know now. Okay. That's what we think we know. Um, so that's why we're like, just get out of here, guys. We just need your leader. We just need to talk to him, figure out what's going on, and we'll leave. So half of them run off. Uh, the other half we have to beat down. And it's a butcher <laughs> shop. And. In typical true PC fashion. I love it. 
but we're successful in not killing anybody. Then Varric comes in and he's like, what the heck? I don't trust you guys at all. We did pretty bad at trying to convince him. So he pulls okay. weapons and starts fighting us and he's tough. Um, he's okay. a guard captain and he's good at his job and he's very tough. Uh, so we all get in a fight with him and he's holding his own against like all of us at the same time. That's funny because we actually fought a guard captain that was holding her own against us a little bit ago too. So that's funny. <laughs> so the whole time we're fighting him, we're all trying to be like, look, dude, we just want to talk. We just want to take you in. We want to understand what's going on. We're trying to just convince you to come peacefully. We don't want to have to hurt you or kill you or anything. We didn't, we didn't kill any of your guys. They're all still fine. Mm-hmm. We're not here to kill everybody. And he's like, I don't trust you. What's going on here? Because we're all rolling terribly on like our persuasion checks. Okay. Finally, our bard tries to intimidate him by going, this guy that's down right here, I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm going to actually kill him if you don't come with us. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and he's like, I'm not dealing with it. And he's like going back upstairs and um, Squish is like, okay, one more chance. And he doesn't do it, and Squish is like, all right, and shoots the guy that's dead, that's down, and kills him. Um, um, he was like, I'm a man of my word, I gotta do it. Um, and then we head upstairs, and we're, like, fighting him upstairs. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, so finally, with me and uh, Elora and... Uh, Kit, we're all like fighting him, but like really just trying to talk him into just stopping for just Stop. a second yeah, and just yeah. listen to us. Um, finally, he does. After like three succe- th- successive persuasion checks, he stops, um, uh, drops his stuff, and is like, "All right, what's going on here?" And we're like telling him about all this stuff, and we're like, "We know that you're only here trying to help people." We know we know the only thing you guys are doing is like taking a little bit of money so that you can keep going so that you can mm-hmm. go run people out of town. And he's like, no, we're not we're not mercenaries. We're not doing that. We're just feeding people. And we're like. Oh, OK, because your guys are mercenaries and they're definitely taking money to go and run people out of town. Oh, and he's oh. like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh <So>, no <laughs> so um so basically from there basically all your he, people are at that point he's side. at, at oh, that no. point he's convinced um and he's like all right you know what fine um i wasn't really convinced i was making a difference here anyway i'll come back with you guys um and he's like i guess all my guys are criminals i didn't think they were doing that and he's like you're sure they're not like killing anybody they're just running people out of town and we're like that's what the rumor said we don't know for sure right right so uh elora and tombstone start taking him back he's going back peacefully start taking him back to the guard captain the rest of us search the compound the place the Mm -hmm. shop and we um discover a lot of things a lot of not good things um, they were not running people out of town. They were just straight up killing people that were messing with other people for money. They were just okay. straight up killing people for money. So they, so they were dirty. They were, they were dirty. Yeah. Um, they were shoring up their stores of meat 
with those people that they killed in order to get rid of the bodies without... Um, oh, no. Without anyone knowing. And they were handing that meat out prepared and salted to the people that they were feeding in the town. Oh, my God. No. Because they what were like, the... we got to do something with these bodies and nobody's going to know the difference. And people people got to eat. Wasn't there um, like a like a French serial killer that did that or something? Yeah. That, it, that oh my gosh no except in this case uh, it it's, the, you're beating the, up the, in this oh my god yeah so 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 they Dude. were taking money they were taking money to go kill people and then they were like okay well now we got to do something with these bodies so they would bring them all back um butcher the bodies oh prepare the god. meat just like they were preparing pork um uh they would get rid of the bones and stuff by tossing it to the pigs um or just throwing it in Curtis. a big vat with all the other bones, and then they would uh, they would cut it all up and sell it out with the with the other meat. They were still actually giving out um, cow and pork too, but they just had a, but a what was, third mystery it's, meat it's, in there it's, too. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> that's that's like mixed sausage at that point. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> so um, oh my so, gosh! So we also find out we also find out that. Van Kerskirken um, was in a relationship with uh, someone named Melia Arcona. Was. Okay, well, it, was at anymore. least there's a little bit of a love story going on. Well, he hasn't okay. seen her in a while. <laughs> and she was the one who convinced him that he should leave the guards because the queen is no good. Okay, okay. Um, that's not good because... I know who the Arconas are. They are a noble family um, who are very prominent in the city. Um, in Old Corvosa, the poor part of town, that's where they uh -huh. live. They, uh -huh. they, they do all sorts of beneficial things for the poor people. They do low-income housing. They do all of this kind of stuff. Okay. But to everyone outside of Old Corvosa, they're shills and they're people who don't want anything good for the city and all of this kind of stuff. For the people in Co Old Corvosa, the poor and the downtrodden, they're saviors. Okay. Interesting. So, um, one of them, Melia, convinced this guy, because they were in a relationship, which seems like it might have been kind of one-sided, okay. to, to leave... And bring as many people as he can with him because the queen's no good for the city. Okay. So now we have another lead. Hmm. Basically, from there, we all go back. We tell we tell the uh, guardswoman the whole story of everything that mm -hmm. went down. We try to convince her that Varric is pretty much innocent. Right. He didn't okay. do any of this terrible stuff. But you need to go get all those guys because they all ran away. So yeah. go get them. There, um, the, the men were the jerk. The leader necessarily um, wasn't. Okay. She's very happy with our job, and she basically hands us sigils that say, we are official hands of the guard. We are not guards oh. people, but we are officially um, you're, you're, trusted um, by the guard. You're, you're noted. You're a yes. consultant. Um, after a co we consultant all agree to sign a paper that basically says we have the city's best interests at heart. So yeah, that's where we left off. It sounds like one there's going to be maybe some great choices that you all are eventually going to have to make because it very much sounds like one there's a lot of under 
underground uh, underworld stuff going on in this city for one but it almost I, i'm gonna be very curious when you guys start learning if the queen actually is kind of a jerk and and just here for the power type of thing and so you're gonna kind of have to this like is there an in-between do you do you pick do you pick the people uh, yeah it sounds like there's gonna be some interesting choices that you guys are gonna have to be making Something that the guardswoman made very, very clear was that she's not really on anyone's side. She mm-hmm. just cares about the city. That's her job. And she's just doing her best to keep peace in the city. Yeah. The queen is in charge, so she's taking orders from her, obviously. Doesn't yeah, matter right. what she thinks of her. So, mm-hmm. so she's definitely she's doing kind her of like job. A, she's a yeah. good middle ground where it's like she's not super devoted to the queen and everything, but she's not. A deserter like Varric, you know, she's right, just doing right. her job, keeping the city safe. Um, yeah, so so she's a good middle ground, and so we could all kind of agree that whether the queen is or isn't bad, we can at least trust this lady and yeah, and do some work for her. So uh, until in book three, when it comes out that she's, <laughs> you know, um, she yep. killed the king or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Oh, that's really interesting. I, and I like that you guys, I feel like you guys are starting to get into like some political stuff as well, well which is kind of cool. The fun thing about this is there's no like definitive like, okay, you did that. Great. Go here for me now. It's like, yeah, no, after this, we don't have another job necessarily. She'll call us if she needs us, but we have a lead with the Arconas. Okay. So mm-hmm. now we have to decide what to do about that. So basically this has all been like leads. Once we okay. got the brooch, there was nothing saying, go take it to the queen. It was just, well, that's one thing we could do. Might okay. get us some money. You know, It's like, it's a breadcrumb. It yeah, shows you a direction. Fun. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. So it's, that's it's cool. very good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to keep continue, uh, continue to hear more about this tale of uh, Carposa, that's, the that, city. Uh, that session was where we ended. We went to a bar, a bunch of fun fun stuff happened there but we can talk about that briefly next time maybe um but that but that's pretty much where we are we're caught up at that point okay oh nice okay right oh my goodness wow (laughs) bro (laughs) yeah that whole thing that whole thing from like traveling place to place and then going to the to the butcher shop all was like three or three and a half sessions well and it is something more because you know, we we just finished, uh, we just finished the Pale Tower currently with the latest one that we did, mm-hmm. and it it was basically a session to to loot. It was a session of looting. It took nearly like three and a half, four hours for us to actually leave the tower because when we had so much loot, Pathfinder does give you a lot of loot. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm also realizing more and more how much D and D, uh. Sen- seems to rely on player debate to really let the sessions go long. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Player player debate. You know, I, I saw a great meme. It was like, um, why do your sessions last for so long in Dungeons and & Dragons? And it was just a meme of two people. It's like, how do I open the door? Wait, wait, is this a door? He's like, yes, it's a door. You can, you can open the door. He's like, well, what is it made out of, though? It's... It's it's oak. It's a door. Can, can you just <laughs> players yep. just constantly go back and forth? Yep. 
questioning and, and indecisiveness. Yep, it's great. Well, that's really cool. Thank you so much for telling me your story, Curtis. Next next time, yeah, yeah um, we, we're going to get back to the Pale Tower, and I'll catch you guys all up on what has been going on over in the Winter Wonderland stuff. Uh, and I'm really, really excited. Oh, I should also mention that at the end of that last session, we leveled up to level three. So we're level three now. Heck yeah. Woo! Well, you're level three. So, okay, so now are you two... Uh, Two levels two of fighter, levels of fighter one, one level wizard. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now from here on, just it's wizard. wizard. Was your was your whole thing of like why you took a level of wizard f- first before the second level was because you I, wanted to start doing some. I wanted some stuff to get. In I wanted to get into the role play a little more, um, of of being a wizard and stuff. Yeah, I wanted to get into that because the story was moving forward faster than I thought it was. So, and and now you have. Um, like a like a plus six to your attack rather than a plus two to your attack type of thing because you're yes. using firebolt or something. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My, yeah, my cantrips are way better. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, my name has been Jake. My name has been Curtis, and that's me. And that's you. Thank you so much for listening to the Backyard Tabletop. We will catch you next time. Next time? <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs>